Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. reading this morning will be taken from the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter, and the first six verses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation which addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly to the discipline of the Lord nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Lord, help us to understand what this writer is trying to say and tell us about our relationship with a living God. For our brief meditation before we come to the altar this morning, If I had a name that I could label our meditation, I think I would call it, We Are the Church. What an awesome responsibility and what a glorious privilege. And especially what a glorious privilege. This past week has been a most difficult one for me. Just about as difficult as uh, any week that you would ever want to find anywhere in your life that you're called on to live and to make some sense out of it. And the reason it's been so hard and so difficult is simply because a week ago I had five brothers and five sisters. But today I only have five brothers and four sisters. Because in the visitation of God and his infinite wisdom, he decided that one sister did not need to be here anymore. Now... I guess it does the same thing to all of us, that when death comes, sometimes we feel like we're going to live to be a thousand, you know. And then sometimes we're afraid we really are. But uh, death has a way of sort of jarring us back to reality. And sometimes, uh, even in the best situation, you sort of drift along and you think what was yesterday is going to forever be, and then all of a sudden, something happens. And especially death. And then it shakes you to the very foundation of your soul. And then you begin to ask the right questions. And you begin to think the right thoughts about what life is all about. And am I spending it the way that I ought to? And is it going for the right things? Am, Am I really making the most of the opportunity that God has? It also gives you a chance, you know, when death comes. Being from a large family, I was born in a congregation, I think. We always had about 10 of us or 11 of us around. And then we always had a few barred cousins that would come and be in that family that looked like a congregation, I'm sure. Well, anyhow, it's the time also that when you think back across the years and you think about all the time that you had, the good times and the bad times, and you begin to remember and, and see over the long haul that 
Every experience that you had as a family, whether bad, good, or indifferent, was all a meaningful experience that you had together and sort of binds and, and ties uh, your soul to those that God has given to you as a family. And I was in no different situation. In fact, I, I had forgotten that I have one sister and that she can cry about anything. It make any difference if you're crying. She doesn't have to know what you're crying about. She sees you crying, she'll cry too, you know. And my sister lived out in the little country out here outside of Shepherdsville. And we were in that small place and right there beside the old Salt River that runs into the Ohio River. And I had to remind my sister, I said, my sister, if you don't stop this business of crying, the Ohio River is a flood stage right now. And if you keep this up, everybody down below here in the Mississippi Valley is going to have to move out because of you. Well, she finally straightened up, but there was that other sister. Now, this sister that the Lord called, I'm trying to talk to you about the church and what it means. I know it sounds like a little offhand, but we'll get back to it in a minute. Maybe it'll make sense. Now, this sister took over when my mother died, and I was about eight or nine years of age. Now, this was a sweet sister. She was gentle of spirit and kind of heart. And I don't ever remember her raising her voice to me, but she served as a mother for a while. But now I had another sister. And that's one you've heard me talk about more than the other. She was the mean one. <laughs> I tell you she was when she took over. Now, if we acted up, us boys, it didn't make any difference what she had in her hand. She believed in corporal punishment, and she believed in carrying it out right on the spot, you know. I remember one day she was mashing potatoes, and I forgot what I was into, but she took that potato masher and spanked me with it. Now, that's a hard thing to do. <laughs> well, we remember those things. The family. You know, it's a tragedy, and I've been in this experience so many times, that a family that will let something happen to them, that will divide them, that will cause them to be mean to one another. And of course, in every family, there's enough stuff that goes on that causes this. You, you know that. Whether it be a family that God has put together here, or whether it be His family, the church. It's the same way. Now, I take note of the fact that the last night that the Lord Jesus Christ was here upon the face of this earth, he had his disciples together, and that was his family. In fact, he said those who believed in him and trusted him was his family. So he called his family together that last night that he was here upon this earth. He knew that it was his last night. And as I stand back and look at that last supper that, that Jesus called those, his disciples and his family to, I can see there in the midst of that that on the part of the Lord Jesus Christ there's patience like you wouldn't believe. Beloved, whether we be an earthly family or whether we be a church, there's got to be patience. You cannot live with someone, another human being, unless you have a great deal of patience within your heart and your soul. I look at the Lord Jesus Christ and I see that there was a great deal of understanding, that he understood how weak human flesh really is. Because there was Judas there with him. And I remember he tried about six times to get Judas back. If you study what Jesus was saying, you can see he was reaching out to Judas to try to regain him. I remember there was Peter there that was going to deny that he ever knew him. And there was Thomas that doubted that he had any connection with God. There's got to be forgiveness. Folks, we cannot live together in a very fine way or the way that God intended for us to live. Not that we're mean, not that we want to hurt one another, but in the due process of living. And we just do, and there's got to be forgiveness. There's got to be understanding. These three can be summed up in this one word. There's got to be a great deal of love demonstrated on the part of a family 
are God's people. That's the way it is. Something you have to work at. It's not something that you do and it's over with. But it's something that we have to work at each and every day. Now, three things happened this week. It made me conscious of the church. Of course, we were always conscious of the church in a way, but, but it accentuated the greatness of the church. Oh, thank God for the church and those people who make it up. And let me share with you quickly in this way before we come, because we are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you know Jesus called those people together, his little family, in order that he might be able to receive the strength and the courage that he needed in order to be able to face the cross. To face the cross. Well, beloved, it's no different today. This is one reason why we don't express it every Sunday, but one reason why we come together. Oh, we're here to worship God, but we're here to receive strength and courage. We're here to sense the love and the respect to one another. We're here in order that we might be able to have these hearts of ours so infilled with the Spirit of God and with love and with strength and whatever else it takes for us to go out there and to live another week in this world where it takes the best that we've got to live it. Well, he got it. He did it. But three things. Let me call them to your attention in this way to you. I've already said to you in this experience of death, my sister was a Methodist, and she belonged to Cedar Grove Methodist Church. little church out here in the bend of the road. Uh, but those people, like us, the district superintendent was there, and the preacher of that little church. And they reminded the family, and, and all the people that were there in the little church, reminded us all that we belong to God. And it is God that has his say, and he will have his say. And it is God that gives life, and it is God that calls us from this world. Thank God for the church that we minister unto one another. I could not help but when I was sitting there and listening to the scripture being read and the remarks of these two who uh, led in the service to be reminded uh, that uh, there's something more than just this physical being here upon the face of this earth. The comfort of the church. The church came to my rescue. We are part of that church. We are part of that church. I got a call this week by a lady who could hardly talk to me because of in deep distress. And she says, I've got an uncle over here in the hospital. He's dying. He does not know the Lord Jesus Christ. As far as I know, he's never been in church. She says, would you please go and talk to him? And to try to see if you can lead him to the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, I'll do it. And I did. But when I walked in the room, you could easily see that the man was uh, dying. He was pretty far gone before his time. Not a very old person. Uh, but he was dying. Doctors have said just, just absolutely no hope. It's only a matter of days. And I walked up to the bed and there were three or four men in the room. And I didn't want to embarrass the man. And so I talked with him a little while, introduced myself, and said who I was. And I was here because of the church was uh, interested and concerned. And I started to leave. And one of the men, one of the men that I knew said, Preacher, will you have prayer? I thought to myself, what courage it takes for this man to say that, because he was not churched either. I said, I would be glad to. I stepped back to the side of the bed. And I asked the man, he was alert and he could hear what I was saying and he could understand what I was saying. I said, do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ enough 
for it not to be offensive to you if I'd have a prayer with you. Because I knew he was unchurched. He says, yes, please do. And then I had this prayer in such a way that if that man was listening, as I know God was, and if he said yes to the prayer, that uh, he has made contact with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when the prayer was over, he shook my hand and gripped my hand like a man that was not dead and thanked me for it. I called the niece of this man and told her what had happened, and she was so grateful that she could not talk to me at that time. She had to call me back at a later time and talk to me about the situation. But she was so grateful. Now, folk, I was there. I was there as a representative of this body of the Lord Jesus Christ. In effect, when I stood there with that man and talking to him, every one of you were standing there talking to him. Every one of you. We are the body of Christ. If we were not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ here, I would not have been there. I was only there simply because of this body of the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, thank God for the church. I tell you that if I'd asked that lady for an offering about that time, if I'd passed the offering plate, I think she'd have donated. She was grateful. Wouldn't you have been? Of course you would. Now this is more difficult. Not sure I can tell the story. But with your patience, I'll try. Now, here, as a young preacher, one of the first people that I ever led to the Lord Jesus Christ is tied up in this story. Well, I was track of the family when I moved from there. And here, while the girls were playing ball here about a couple of years ago, there's a young lady that came and joined the ball team. And I noticed she had the same name as that family that I had known back through the years. And I thought to myself, as I looked at her, I said, yes, she's got to be part of that family. She looks exactly like her mother and her brothers and other sisters. So I asked her, and she said, yes, I am. I figured it out. She was born one year after I left from that church. A lovely mother. She died when this girl was only six years of age. Now that young lady, I've lost track of time, but I think it was about three or four months ago, she stood right here in front of this body of the Lord Jesus Christ. In front of you and me as we make up the family of the Lord Jesus Christ. She stood right here. I received her confession. And I received her commitment. And I was privileged to baptize her in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And sign, seal, and deliver her soul for the Lord Jesus Christ. You made that possible. You, because of your action, because when she started coming to church here, and because of the spirit that prevails here, she was able to hear the call of the Lord Jesus Christ. And she joined this church. Now when that was going on, at the very time it was going on, I, I thought in my soul, if that mother knew, and I knew her mother quite well, if that mother knew that this church, a believer and the Lord Jesus Christ had reached out to her daughter and that she would be ever so grateful. That she would be rejoicing if she is conscious of it within her heart and her soul because of what we had done. Mothers, you mothers know what I'm saying. And you fathers, of course you would. Of course you would. The greatest thing that we have to offer is what Jesus Christ has committed unto us. Now I'm telling that story to tell you this. Now, beloved... This young lady went to the hospital 
this past week, I think it was on a Friday, I lose track of time. She's operated on what she thought would be a minor operation. The doctors told her that she had cancer. Her mother died with cancer. Prognosis within the situation is zero. They give no hope at all. None, so far as I know, none. I went yesterday and the day before. And while I was talking to her, she knows what the situation is. But in talking to her and sitting there and trying to let her know that we care, she looked into my eyes. And you've had this happen to you, deep penetration, as if someone was trying to look into the pit of your soul. And I could almost ascertain within my mind the questions that she was asking. Because she said to me, she thinks unless God intervenes that she's going to die. And she says, Preacher, I'm only 21. And then she tried to look into my soul past any defense that I might have to see whether or not that I really believe, that I really believe what I say about God. Do you really believe what you say about the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you really believe that a person can be in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ here? Do you really believe that Jesus can save you and that this soul of mine will never die? She never asked the question. She didn't have to. But I am satisfied that she saw no doubt. It's true. Every word of it. Every word of it. I cannot express it greatly enough. Every word of it's true. Now, folks, we are the family of good. We are. We provided the atmosphere and the situation in which she could be born into the kingdom of God. And now we're going to provide that whatever it is that a church can provide, love, understanding. And we're going to continue to create a fellowship here where the Holy Spirit can work. And who knows, who knows, he may hear and answer our prayer in relation to Karen. But we're here. We are God's family. And we're told that great things can happen and will happen for those who are committed and dedicated to him. Now there's other people. I could told you other stories, but these are the ones that came to me in a very personal way this past week to tell you something of the greatness of the business that you and I are in as we come to the Lord's table this morning. As we come to the Lord's table this morning, let us do what we need to do within our own heart and soul in order that the family of God might be able to be to all these people what we ought to be and what we need to be in a comforting way to one another. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started and making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 